Hello. Good to see you this morning. So glad that you're here. My name is Chad, and I am the campus development pastor here at Revolution Church, and I'm honored to be on the stage today because today is such an incredible day that we take just a, a, a few minutes, maybe a few hours, to celebrate a, a part of our society that is so crucial, so needed. This section of, of people that walk among us have been given a title that they share with God himself. Our fathers, our dads, for me, I've had guys come into my life over the years that have, have not been my biological or physical dad, but they were certainly spiritual fathers in my life and have shaped the outcome of who I am, have shaped my character, have shaped my idea of who my heavenly father like nobody else could. So we're gonna do something. And this is not something that, I, and I, I want you to enter in this just few minutes, not just as a going through the motions kind of thing that we do on Father's Day. Because fatherhood is so important. We're gonna take a minute and we are going to celebrate our fathers and we're gonna celebrate our dads for who they are and what they've done. And we're gonna celebrate our dads for what God's going to do in them. Dads aren't perfect. I'm not a perfect dad. But I certainly want God to show me himself, to show me his model of what a perfect father is so that I can impart that to my kids impart that to my family that I get to lead. And we're gonna ask God to do something within our church. Let's start there. We're gonna ask God to do something with, with our dads, with our fathers, to anoint them. Just like he anointed David to, and gave him a job to do, to lead because dads, we have been chosen. We have been given something incredible to do. And you know what? We can't do it by ourselves. And we're never meant to. There's another in the fire that's standing next to you. There's another in the fire that's standing next to me. And he says, I got you. Even when you fail, I'm gonna pick you back up. Even when you say the wrong thing, to your kids or your wife or, you know, you make dumb dad jokes. I got you. So we're going to do a couple things. In this room, in Jasper, online, wherever you're watching this, we're going to take a minute and we're going to celebrate our dads and the position of fatherhood 
And I don't, I don't want you to enter in this moment when I say we're going to celebrate and just, you know, golf clap it out. We're going to raise this roof of this place. I'm talking night at the Apollo, standing ovation kind of junk. You know what I'm saying? We're going to celebrate the heck out of our dads today. Because we know that God wants to use them to do his work, to impart the love of God to generations. All right. You ready to celebrate these dads real quick? All right. Let's do this. On three. One, two, three. job, church. Now let's pray over them. And if your dad's here with you, put your hand on him. Heavenly Father, I lift up these dads and fathers God, and I pray that you would surround them with your strength and with your might. God, you would remind them of the title that they hold and that, that you share that title and you understand what it means to be a father and that you're with us that you give your power specifically to us, that we don't have to do this alone, that we stand with an almighty God that has not left us by ourselves to figure this out. But you have given us your word, your powerful word. We don't have to make this up or just stumble through it in the dark. God, you've given us a clear light to pass on to the next generation. God, anoint these dads in this room. Anoint the dads in Jasper. Anoint the dads that are watching online. Anoint them, God, to complete the unique task that only a father can. We love you. We thank you our fathers and our dads and our spiritual fathers and the mentors that you've sent into our life. We're so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, where would we go from there? I don't know, right? Okay. But we are going to go to John chapter five. That's where we're going to go. And we have got a, a, a incredible opportunity today to, to examine something that is so pivotal for us to understand as believers, but a unique perspective that we get to hear about from Jesus today. And this is, we are walking through um, the, the book of John, 
And, and today specifically, we are, are reading and, and getting to understand the perspective of Jesus to his father. And, and I don't know, you, we're walking through the book of John. The fact that this lines up on this very day is crazy. Almost like there's a God and almost like he wanted you to hear it and almost like he wanted me to hear it. Because we get to see Jesus talk about his heavenly father as a dad, how he reacts to him, the authority that he's given him. And specifically what we're talking about is the authority of Jesus today. The authority of Jesus. And if you, if you read this in your Bible, if you pull this up, you're going to see the title of this is the authority of the son. Now, Pastor David last week talked about God's positioning or Jesus's positioning with God and how they are equal, parallel. And we see that position in, in, in such a clear manner in, in, from, from David's message. If you haven't watched that, you need to go back and watch it because it's excellent. And it's important for us to understand his position. But like any title that anybody's given, if you don't understand the position along with the, the authority and the ability to do things and get things done, then you, you only get half the, half the idea, half the picture. So today what we're going to do is we're going to unpack, unpack the second part of who Jesus is and the authority that he has been given from the Father under his title as God. And just to reiterate, Jesus is God. Parallel. They are right step there together. Now, for us, sometimes in our society, when we hear the word authority or submission, sometimes we're like, ooh, that kind of, that hurt my feelings a little bit. I don't, oh, authority. I don't, I'm, I don't like that. I don't want to come under authority. Ugh. I don't want to submit to anything. I, I want to do this on my own. Men, we're the worst at it. We just honest, we're the worst. I'm the worst at it. When somebody says, well, you need to submit. I, no, I don't. But what we're going to see today is the authority of Jesus and the power that has been specifically given him by his heavenly father is easy to submit to. Look, it's, it's a power that you and I don't understand or have, but we get to be a part of it. God has brought us in to this whole scenario that we get to be a part and experience the power of God because of Jesus and the specific authority that he has been given to do godly things and godly things, not just for the sake of magic tricks, but for the sake of you and I and our eternity. Authority definition-wise is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. The second part of that, a second de definition, is a person or organization having power or control in a particular, typically political or administrative sphere. Two things that, 
that stand out to me in just that definition is the word power. And what does that mean, really, to have power? And it comes down to a, a simple concept or definition that power is just the ability to do or act, the capability or, or doing, of doing or accomplishing something. If I say that I can, I can lift this and throw it, the power that I have to actually do it confirms that. Now, I can say it all day long, but if I can't do it, it doesn't mean anything, nothing. It's void, useless, just words. I don't know about you, and we have a lot of words flying around all over the place. I can do this, and I can do that, and I can do this, and I can do that, but we don't see a lot of it being done. But Jesus... The cool thing about Jesus is that whenever he says he can do it, you can better bet he's going to back it up and show you he can do it. His, his promises are not empty. His promises out are filled with power. His promises and, and everything that he says is going to be backed up with action. And as we continue to go through John, you're going to see this. All right. John chapter five, we're going to go through 19 through 29 today, and we're going to try to get through this as fast as possible because it is a lot to, to cover, and we're going to talk about a lot of different concepts today. But we have to understand, if we, if we hope to to really come along and fulfill what God is asking us to fulfill, we have to understand the authority of Jesus and the specific power that Jesus has been given from the Father through his position and through his authority. Are you ready? Come on. Verse 19, so Jesus said to them, truly, 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 what he's saying right there is pay attention. I'm telling you something that you want to make sure, you, you might want to write this down is what he's saying because it's about to happen. I'm just giving you a heads up. Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing. Everybody say nothing. On his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Everybody says sees. So again, we see this parallel that, that Jesus lays out for us that me and, me and the Father are together. We're right there together. We are not separated. And I can do, Jesus says, I can do nothing other than what I see the Father doing. And Jesus is going to set up for us two things in the next few verses that we have to understand and, and understand the importance that Jesus knows it and that you and I Know it because of Jesus. Because without this, without understanding these few things that we're going to unpack, unpack, then we can say that we're followers of Jesus. We can say that, that we love him. We can say that we, we love the Father, that we follow God and all those things. But if we don't understand his authority and how it plays out, 
The question for us as believers is always going to be, how? How do I do this? How does my relationship with Jesus play out? And the other part of this is, like I said, we're going to get to see Jesus talk specifically about his relationship with his father. Two things. Jesus is going to lay out the, the nature of God as a father and the nature of the son in perfect sonship. We're going to get to see a perfect relationship between our heavenly father and then a, a perfect son. We're going to get to see that. Why is that important? Why do we need... God, are you trying to make me feel bad because I don't have a perfect relationship with my kids? No. Man, but there's power when we have a model, when there's something we can follow. And, and not only that, that it's not something that when we fail that God is looking down on us, you know, throwing lightning bolts and, you know, condemning and all that kind of stuff. It's just that God comes along and says, my mercy's still here. My grace is still for you. Let's stand back up and keep walking. There's power in the ability to, to look at a model and say, that's what I'm after. That's the win. That's what I'm trying to get to. And God comes along aside us and he says, I hold you up when you're weak. I got you when you're not strong. I forgive you when you mess up. But I'm going to keep you moving. I'm going to be with you the whole time. He sets this up and so that we know that he knows the father and that the father specifically has imparted authority and power to him to accomplish certain things that we're going to get to. I'm ready to get to them. All right. We're going to go through four. These are four F-O-U-R, four F-O-R statements that Jesus specifically lays out for you and I that, that tell us how this authority works and the authority that he has been specifically given. Okay, second part of 19. This is the end part. This is, starts this off and, and gives kind of an, an overview of what it's gonna be like. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Kind of just reiterating almost what he just said. But for whatever the father does, the son does likewise. And the number one, this number one for Jesus is, is laying out that, listen, I can, I can do what God can do. And I'm going to do what God can do and will do. Based on my position as God, I am going to do what God can do with the power that he has to do it. I, I'm going to look like him. I'm going to talk like him. I'm going to act like him. The things that he would do, I'm going to do. Now, I want you to get this picture in your head because this is, this is going to overshadow everything that we talk about today. I want you to get this picture in your head. 
We're going to throw this picture up on the screen, and I just, I just want you to see this real quick. So this is me and my son, okay? And we, we, we show up together at, this is the Varsity down at Town Center Mall, okay? We show up at the Varsity. We're wearing exactly the same thing. This is when Isaac, my, my son's 12 now. But when I read this, this, is, the, this picture popped in my head. Now, by no means am I, am I saying there's an equivalent here to Jesus and God. I'm just saying that there is, I want you to understand like, likewise. When Jesus says likewise, I'm going to do likewise what the Father would do. That's it. That when you see Jesus and he speaks, those are the words of God. When you see Jesus all throughout the gospels performing miracles, those are the things that God wants to do. And those are the things that God can do. And only God can do those things. Now, the cool thing is, is that he even tells Peter, you're going to do greater things than even I I did on earth. So he wants to use us to do these things. And Jesus is just saying, listen, I've got this authority And I'm going to remind you that Jesus isn't just empty talk. Jesus is going to back it up. He's going to show us throughout the rest of these passages in John and even in the other gospels that his power is true. His words aren't empty and he's going to finish what he started. Verse 20. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. And we're gonna gonna stop for just a second here because this shows us specifically, and I love this verse because it gives us an inside look of of Jesus to his father, Their, their relationship. And the cool thing about this is is that this is not God in his father-creator position saying, I'm a good dad. Look at Jesus, I'm a good dad. But because of who God is and his love for us, he sends Jesus, his son, to speak these words about to testify about his relationship to his heavenly father. Now, who gives more validity to whether I'm a good dad? If I say, yeah, guys, I'm the best dad out there. He'd be like, whatever. But if my son, if my son walked out here, my daughter walked out here and said, my dad's the best. My dad loves me. My dad takes opportunities to speak truth. My dad's kind. See how that changes things? You don't think God knows you? You don't think God cares about the position you sit in and how you need to hear things? He does. He's so patient and so kind with us even down to the smallest detail, God cares about how we need to receive things. 
And Jesus here tells us, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. The father loves his son and he shows him two incredible components of fatherhood. Our love for our kids. Our love for our kids that is not just you know, I, I love you before you go to bed or I love you before you leave school. The incredible power that, that even God has imparted to us, to our kids, is that we get to show. Show. Not hold back. And even, he, said, he doesn't hold anything back from me. He has shown me all these things Jesus says about his father. What does that mean for us as dads? We show. We show our model is our heavenly father. And, and this is what he does with his son. He shows his children, his love. Now, how does God show his children, his love? He's with them. He encourages them. He strengthens them. He gets them through tough times. Dads, we've been given an opportunity with our kids to show. Take every opportunity that you can to model this specific thing that Jesus tells us his heavenly father does with him. Put your arms around your kids as much as you can. Hug them. Tell them that they're enough. Remind them of the words of Jesus when they're struggling with things. I know in my household, when, when my kids come to me with something or we're talking about something and they don't know how to answer a question, my, my question to them is always, what does the Bible say about that? And then we have a, get to have an incredible conversation. And the cool thing is, the pressure comes off of me. I don't have to make up something and figure something out. The word has already done that. How incredible is that? We've already got the answers. When, when my kids come to me with something, even if I don't know, lots of times, even I don't, if I don't know what, what God's word says about a specific nuance to a situation, I still get to use that phrase. What would God say about this? What would Jesus do in this situation? And the cool thing is, is a lot of times we get to go and find it and discover it together. And God has set me up to win as a dad. Dads don't forfeit that. Because sometimes the world's going to tell you that you don't really need to know you don't really need to know scripture. You don't. You can just know a little bit, and that's fine. John 3, 16, stuff like that. That's fine. It's cool. As long as you got that one, which is a really powerful verse, and you need to know that one for sure. But the world's going to tell you that you just, you just need to know a little bit to be a cultural Christian, and that's going to be fine. You're going to look good, and that's great. That is a complete lie from the pits of hell. 
That's like walking into any kind of game with half a play of a half a playbook, which doesn't even make any sense, but you know what I mean. God has given you everything you need in his word that when something's presented to you, especially as a dad, use it. Come on, use it. Because he has shown his son so you can show your sons and daughters. I got to move on. My goodness. 21. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For as the father raises the dead, so the father has the ability to raise the dead, take things that are dead and bring them to life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. So God holds the power of life and death, so both of those things, and he has granted that ability and authority to his son. And why do we need to know this? Well, it's very important because that is a very godlike act. I think you probably would agree. To bring things that are dead back to life, to give life specifically from nothing. That is a very godlike thing that that his heavenly Father has granted to Jesus specifically. Everything you see, everything that is around you has been brought to life by God. Period. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't by chance. It didn't just happen. Look at the systems that have put, been put together that are so intricately attached. Just your body itself, if we could just look at that, is absolutely amazing and so intricate that only a design could make it and sustain it. It is a very godly thing that God has specifically, we know this, handed to his son. We have to understand too, very important, that for as God has raised the dead and gives him life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. Not just physical life. We're talking about even beyond that. He has given them, he was given his son the ability to raise spiritual death as well. We're going to get that in a second. Verse 22 For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. Unique in this that you have to understand you, this is very, a very unique statement from, from Jesus that is fascinating. Completely fascinating. And I, gosh, it's so cool. For the father judges no one. Well, what? I thought that's what God did. did doesn't, doesn't God judge? Doesn't he have the ability to judge? Yes, he does. But he, is, he has passed that specific task to the son. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Why would God, with this ability to judge, and what he's talking about, judging sin, judging right from wrong, 
judging us specifically in, in our ability to be righteous or good. Why would he do that? Because he loves you and I. He loves us. What? Again, God loves you so much. He cares about you so much that he sent his son, Emmanuel, God with us, to take on this specific task because he's walked with us. He's walked among us. He has lived, lived our life. He has gone through our struggles. He's experienced our heartaches. He's felt our pain, even to the point of physical death, which is not a God-like thing. God's not supposed to die, right? But he went through that. And then because of this unique position that he's given the son, this unique task that he's given the son, he's given him the authority to judge. Man. So we can look on Jesus and say, well, yeah, he, I mean, he was here. Historically, I mean, there's no doubt about that. Jesus was here on earth, no doubt. You can't dispute that. Historically, we know he was alive. He was human in all tenses of the word. He was, but at the same time, God. Verse 23. That all may honor the son so as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not Oh, sorry, does not honor the father who sent him. So Jesus has specific authority over death. He has the same power and will as God himself. So he's gonna do what God does. He's been given this specific authority to take over judgment. Why? that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. And what, what's he saying here? He's saying specifically that, listen, I'm not just, this is not some, something that I'm just telling you. He said, I, I'm, I'm actually gonna show you because the honor of this is so important. Now, how do we honor something? We believe it's true. We know that it's, it's actual, that it has integrity to it. That's how we honor something. We say yes and amen. That, is that person you know, a good leader? Yes and amen, they are. We affirm that. And Jesus says, I'm gonna show you this stuff for the very act that you need to go through in honoring. Honoring the son just as you honor the Father. At this point, in, in all this, we have to get to a, a specific question that we ask ourselves. Based on what I know about Jesus, and, and, and you may not be there yet, but based on what I know about Jesus and what he has just said, 
and what we know about the historical Jesus and what he has done, specifically dying on the cross, the resurrection, we know that that while he was here, there were specific things that he performed, feeding the 5,000, miracles that he performed, healing, all of those things. Based on that, do I honor him? Do I honor him? Based on what the evidence that I have, which is tremendous evidence, unbelievable amounts of evidence, more evidence about Jesus and what he did than just about anything on earth from a historical perspective. Go look it up. You don't have to take my word for it. Do I honor him? Do I honor his authority? Do I honor his position? Not just in word, listen to me, but in action. Do I place myself under the authority? Because if we believe this, that Jesus can raise the dead, that Jesus has the ability to judge right from wrong, evil from good. If we, if we believe this, man, it's so easy to say, well, yeah, if he's got that ability, dude, I'm following that guy. I'm honoring him. I'm doing what he's doing, whatever that is. I don't care. If, he, if he's able to make that happen, yeah. Verse 25, truly I say to you, an hour is coming and is, is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Listen to me. An hour is coming. It's always been coming for Jesus. It's, it's been coming, but it's here right now, he says, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. You're hearing the voice of Jesus this morning. I'm reading it to you. I'm reading you the voice of Jesus. And what he's specifically talking about here is a spiritual deadness. Now, who's dead? All of us. Scripture tells us real clear, this is not mincing words. We are dead in our trespasses and sin, dead. And, and that spiritually and physically, we're all gonna experience a physical death, but specifically, we are dead spiritually in our trespasses and sins. I want you to hear that. But Jesus says, life comes when you hear the voice of the Son of God that he has the ability to bring us to life. Whew. For as a father, father has life in himself, so he has granted also the son to have life in himself as well. So we know that Jesus is self-sustaining just as the Father is. He doesn't need anything outside of himself to, to be sustained. Let's get to this last part. And he has given him authority to execute, verse 27, he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Very apocalyptic title that we see right there, the Son of Man. He's the Son of God and man, okay? 
Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, we're getting into a little bit of the uh, apocalyptic eschatology type stuff here, okay? So there's a lot going on. But we're gonna boil this down real quick. He's been given authority to execute judgment. And those who are dead, he says, will come out of their tomb. We take that as a, this is a very physical death. He's going to resurrect. He's going to resurrect. And, and you say, well, Chad, well, from what I understand, when we die, we go immediately to be with Jesus. That's true. We know that from 2 Corinthians. Paul says that specifically. Now, what, but what is this that John is writing down from Jesus? This is a very clear statement of what's going to happen in a last day scenario. That there will be a day, and we sang about it this morning, that a reckoning will come. That we will, we will stand either in confirmation that we placed ourselves under the authority of Jesus and he looks on us and says, yes, I have placed my righteousness on you. And it says, those who were resurrected to the resurrection of life. But those who have not placed themselves under the authority and submission of the Son of God to the resurrection of judgment. Now, he doesn't say to the resurrection of death. He says, but you, you're going to be resurrected on that day, and there, there's either going to be a feasting and a celebration that those who have placed themselves under the authority of Jesus will go. Life, the resurrection of life, eternal life. And then those who have not placed themselves under his authority to the resurrection of judgment. We're in that moment, which is exactly right. We will be judged based on the good things that we did and hope that they're enough. That's simply, I mean, that's how it goes. We don't have anything that pardoned us, anything that covered those who have not placed themselves under the authority of, of, of Christ. They're just standing there on their own merit. That makes sense, right? You go to any courtroom, you stand on your own merit. Did I, didn't I, right? That's what's gonna happen on this day. And, and there's a hope. Did I do enough good that Jesus, who has been given the authority of, ju of judging, looks at me and says, yeah, you're, you're as good as me. Jesus is our standard. So the hope is, is that if we haven't placed ourselves under the authority of Christ, haven't surrendered ourselves to him, that our hope in that is that I'm good as Jesus is. And, and if you can say that, man, I, good on you. 
A little scary, but okay, cool. And I want you to know that the world tells you <laughs> that you're good. The world tells me that some things that I've sprinkled throughout my life that are good, ah, you're a good person. Why would God judge you if you know, you've done some good things? Because you're not the standard. And praise God that we're not. But Jesus is. Jesus is our standard. The verse we read before I came out here, Romans 8, gives us a, a specific promise just as the father loves the son and has granted him access to God-like things. Romans 8 says the same thing for us, that we get to be brought in, adopted in, co-heirs with Christ, with the same rights and privileges as sons and daughters of the most high, of the great I am, the creator of all, we get brought in. The scripture tells us it's as simple as us not rejecting the authority of Jesus, but saying, I'm, I'm placing myself there, face down, just prostrate as I can be. I'm placing myself in the authority of Jesus on my face, honoring him just as I would a creator God because we know that there's a cross where he sacrificed for you, died, just like we would die. But the difference is, <laughs> just a few days after that, he didn't stay there like you and I would have. He came out. He was resurrected. Again, not to just empty words that I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Messiah. I am the son of God. He came out of that tomb saying, told you. Yeah. And he's brought us in to be dead no more, but alive. Pray with me. God, thank you for um, <laughs> thank you for the authority that you have given Jesus. To judge us. But God, you didn't just end there. You sent Jesus in our place to be our substitute for what we could never do. The righteousness that we could, righteousness that we could never obtain. And simply put, if that's you today, 
that, that you have never placed yourself under this type of authority, have never submitted to Jesus in this way to say, you are the Messiah, you are the Savior, you're the one that has authority, I honor you, Jesus. I believe. I put my life in your hands so that on that day, I don't go to the resurrection of judgment and hope that my, my own merits stand up, my own actions stand up, but I get to stand on that day, not judged on my actions, but judged on the actions of Jesus. Maybe it's time today that you place yourself under the authority of Jesus. And it goes like this. It's just a simple confession, a simple prayer to say, God, I believe. And if that's you will, you, will you pray this simple prayer with me? I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you. I'm gonna just walk through it with you. No magic in these words. It's just an opportunity for you to express what you believe and surrender. Say, God, I I surrender to you today. I want to be judged based on your merits and not mine. I know I don't measure up, but I believe that you do. Would you save me? If that's you today, Canton, Jasper, Online, if that's you, I want you to do one simple thing. We want to give you a gift. We want to help you on your next steps. I want you to be bold in this moment, young and old. If that's you and you just prayed that, would you simply slip your hand up? For those of us in the room, Online, Jasper, I want to remind you that your heavenly father loves you. He gives you the model that you need to be a good dad for the dads in the room. He wants to bring you in and he wants to bring you close. And whether we've maybe walked away from him and, and we have tried to take back the authority that maybe we once gave to Jesus, maybe we tried to take it back. His mercies are new every single morning. And whenever it's time and, and we say, gosh, I, I just haven't been placing myself under the authority of God. I haven't been placing myself under the authority of Jesus. And we run back to him. Do you know what his answer is all the time? Yes. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. I've been waiting. Just run back. God, thank you for your word and how incredible it is. We love you. We thank you for what you've done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church.